Hey, Amber. Hi, Megan. Welcome to Bad Movies Rock. Well, thank you, Megan. Megan, welcome to Bad Movies Rock, where I find myself wondering, Mm. when you were a kid, let's say 13 and younger, was there a movie world or even just like a character from a movie that you wanted to visit? Like, was there a movie world that you would like to be in or that you fantasized about yourself being in or a character you fantasized about knowing or being friends with or even getting to murder because you hate them oh my wow hey, i i don't want to limit your imagination on this one friend yeah and i know you too well to think that there wasn't somebody somewhere in some movie that you didn't want to watch the light go out of their eyes <laughs> while your hands were around I was, their throat i was not that invi- you know uh, I, I was not that um yeah Oh, you had to grow into that. I I grow in, I grew into that, Amber. That's special. So honestly, Amber, I I think I can think of some books. Yeah. Hey, 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 technically, um, I can uh, uh, technically I can think of some books. Okay, nerd. Um, I very specifically said movies. You did, and nerd. I and I I don't know that I I don't know that I did not in not in the way you're asking. I don't think. Um, Amber, did you? Let me think. Are, are you trying to... Wait, sorry, the let me think, was that you trying to determine what movie I would say? Or were you oh, trying no, no. to pass sorry, the buck sorry. in the hopes let that I have an answer? Let me pass the buck to you while I think, and then you answer. No, fuck no. All the movies I liked had worlds of horror and danger. Mm. They were maddeningly terrifying. I don't want to be in the never-ending story. That shit's not okay. Yeah, yeah. There were... Okay, here, I, I will give you... That was upsetting. I don't want to be in Hook. Those kids are terrible. Yeah, yeah. There were movies that um, I wouldn't say that I necessarily wanted to be in them, but were magical in a way that the world seemed special to me or something. Does that make sense? Sure. Like they, they could exist or like, you know, it's like... It's like there would be, like, a little shining aura around, like, the movie. Do you know what I mean? I'm just going to say yes, because I think maybe if you keep talking, it will make more sense, or we'll just move past it. Sure. Um, I guess what I mean by that is, like, and and this happens, too, when I think about books or, or movies from the past, where it's, like, things that seem like if you watch them, then something special will happen or you'll get a cookie or something. That kind of specialness about a thing. You're looking at me like this makes no sense to you, even a little bit. So, like, if I watched Beauty and the Beast, Mm -hmm. I would get that feeling of I'm going to get a cookie at the end of this? Sure. Is, Is the movie the cookie? And it's not specifically a cookie, but it's like that 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 feeling of like this is bright and shiny and like it's different than all the rest, and there's something special about it. Different than all the rest of like humdrum existence or the other movies, the other movies okay. or books or whatever. So what 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 movies were shiny aura movies? Uh, um, the Labyrinth, of course. Uh, Princess Bride. Sure. Uh, Never-ending story. I mean, it's, so again, like not something like, like The Labyrinth. I don't want to be in that movie, but it seemed like it was special. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, 
I'm actually gonna I'm gonna backtrack a little bit on Neverending Story and and circle around to Labyrinth, mm-hmm. because in those movies and those those stories, I guess based on books, or I think one was based on the book and the other one then had a book based on it. I can't remember. Mm, yeah, but at the end of it, after seeming like they're the whole situation is completely out of control and it's awful and terrible things happen. The end reveal is, oh, wait, never mind. You were in charge of the story the whole time, and you're mm-hmm. actually God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm actually going to backtrack. I was thinking about the movie world as it displays on the screen, but if you come around right. to the end and have that beautiful realization of, oh, I am unto a God. Uh-huh. Yes, please. Yeah. If yeah, I get to just go. go to the end of the movie or even start at the beginning of the movie knowing mm-hmm. the end as I do, I can yep. just be like, yep. your name is Sam, and uh, I get this world now, and it's mine. Yeah. Or, hey, Goblin King, you have no power over me. I'm going to play here for a while with the people I want to play with and just kind of ignore your whole thing. And then you're going to give me the baby when I tell you to. Um, and actually, maybe, yeah. like, now that I'm an adult, what you doing tonight? I mean, what you what you doing tonight? What you, what you doing tonight? What's up? Oh, dear. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is mm. sometimes we get a little bit too involved in the movies that we enjoy. And, and for, for me, I got too involved to the place where I needed to be able to escape them once they were done because it was too real. The The bad parts were too too internalized as an experience. Okay. You know, any yep. any of the awkward sadness I associated with the movie and I, I needed that distance. I didn't want it to be real. I think about... Yeah. You know what I put a lot of thought into recently, Megan? What's this, Amber? Is a story you told about Abby not wanting the soup to be too good. Now, mm-hmm. there's something about child imagination where reality isn't real yet. And what mm-hmm. you understand about the world is changing so rapidly that you don't have the tools or the experience to really know when someone's telling you the truth and when someone's telling you something silly. Yep. And you read yep. books and you start, like, you're still piecing it together. And so anytime you do an imaginative exercise, there is a point at which, okay, if I fully commit to this, then this becomes a real thing and maybe it'll really, really become a real thing and I'm not entirely sure yet. And so there's almost a, like an existential dread. Can <laughs> I actually breathe this into existence? And if I do, right. what are the ramifications of that? And then if I can't and I wanted to, mm-hmm. well, how upsetting is that? I made something so delicious and now I can't have it. It yeah. is so real yeah. in my mind but I also understand that. that it's not real in reality, and I can't live with that. I'm going to make a unicorn in my head, but it's going to be a deeply imperfect unicorn so that this unicorn that I made in my head that becomes super, super real to me does not then disappoint me when it doesn't become real to the world. Wow, that's layers on layers, Amber. So, like, it's a gorgeous unicorn, but it's kind of a dick, so I'm kind of mm-hmm. glad he's not real. Or it's sort of a janky unicorn, but with a heart of gold, but at least mm-hmm. I don't have to look at that janky-ass unicorn. Why is its horn like that? You know, like that. What I'm saying is, Mm -hmm. reality is reality, movies are movies. One is supposed to be an escape from the other, but what happens when that line becomes too blurred? Oh, I see. Well, Amber, sometimes you get sucked into the movie. That's interesting. Well, this has been an interesting conversation, Megan. Let's talk about the movie that we watched. Okay, sure. Amber, we watched Last Action Hero. Hmm. Oh, weird. Oh, that's uh, now that you, huh? Oddly prescient. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Megan, mm. last action here, you say. Uh, let me try and refresh my own memory and yours. 
mm-hmm. with the details of this film with a rousing game of which is which is which is which. I'm you're nodding. Just, you're just nodding at me. That's yeah. helpful because this I've is an this. auditory medium. So that's very, sure. very helpful. Amber, I, let's, let's do this thing. I'm into it. Great. Ready. I will give you the summaries from Amber, IMDb, Amazon, and Metacritic. Not in that order. And you shall tell me which is which is which is which. We begin. Don't miss this action-packed thrill ride. <laughs> Beautiful. This Love is it. why we. This is why we play this game. Yep. yep. <laughs> that is that is precise. Everything else is just details. That is why we play this game. That is that is beautiful. Yep. Mm-hmm. Two. With the help of a magic ticket, a young fan is transported into the fictional world of his favorite action movie character. Okay. Uh huh. Last action hero follows the adventures of 11-year-old Danny, whose magic ticket blasts him out of his theater seat and into an action movie. Then he teams up with movie idol Jack Slater, living his wildest fantasies in a celluloid world where anything is possible. Okay. Okay. And the final one. Mm Mm-hmm. A young boy's inability to deal with reality is further exacerbated when his adult friend, a projectionist at chillingly run-down movie theater, gives him a sinister magic ticket with a mind of its own. The ticket uses the boy to gain access to the villain in the boy's favorite movie series, granting the evil mastermind the ability to unleash on the world the worst evils our imaginations have brought to life on the big screen. Luckily, the boy's escapist fantasies and reckless disregard for reality and consequence aid him and the heroic star of his favorite movies to thwart the will of the diabolical magic ticket. Mm-hmm. For now. For now, yes. Oh boy, ominous. Amber, I'm going to go with uh, uh, Amazon IMDb Metacritic Amber. Mm. That's that sweet stank right there. Yeah. Excellent. Don't miss this action-packed thrill ride. <laughs> Thank you, Amazon. Thanks, Amazon. That really helps me decide whether or not I want to watch this. Mm -hmm. You've told me not to miss it. I guess that's in order. Uh, Amazon's so good sometimes. Amazon is something. Amazon is something. Amazon is the reason we started playing this game. It is. Yes. Yeah. Well, which one? Which Resident Evil did they? A sequel to Resident Evil well, 4. Well, it, it, it was the sequel to Resident Evil 3D is the one that they oh, did right. the best one for. There we are. Okay. It's, it, it inspired this time-honored game. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, well played, Megan. Well, thank you, Ember. Um, I have a question for you. What did Metacritic think of this movie? Well, the critics gave it a 44, but the users gave it an 84. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm. We're at 39 for the... Um, uh, critics and 47 for the users oh boy okay yeah. very Optimated. different yeah very Wildly. differently yes this is one of those movies where a lot of the story was about how it got made and that it was mm-hmm. the process was long and it went over budget and there were bad test screenings and it was just in the news about oh what a train wreck this bloated film is and that is likely helped aid in the poor reviews i am not saying that they are necessarily wrong with the words that they write. Mm-hmm. But the fact that this movie did not do well is in part because of how publicized its its creation was. That rarely helps. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And it's my understanding that they were doing, like, filming things, like, up to the the week before the premiere. Oh, wow. Never, never bodes well. And... And thus did not get the editing in that needed to happen, which is something that we talked a little bit about. She's like, it's, it's over two hours long. It should not be. Um, yeah. 
There's a lot in this movie, many things that could be removed. It's, yeah, it is not well edited. The action is very lovingly done and very old school stunt guy, explosion, silliness action. Uh, And a lot of critics mention that no one likes the performances of the two main characters. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, uh, Quentin Curtis says that it's, It turned out to be a beef, chicken, anchovy, and jam sandwich. The ingredients cancel each other out and become indigestible. (laughs) By offering us everything, they've given us next to nothing. That's delightful. Flavors do not cancel each other out. They just Mm -hmm. don't. You you Mm -hmm. don't get a neutral sandwich that then makes you sick. What you're getting is all of those flavors, and you're mad that they don't go together. I don't like that blurb. They did a bad job. Okay, well, there you go. Judgment passed. Uh-huh. Let's, uh, let's stop in with my new least favorite. Okay. Good old Mark Savlov. Savlov. The A.O. Scott of second generation BMR. A.O. Scott hasn't reared his ugly little head recently, so there's he nothing I can be, do about it. Yeah, he might be retired. Well, this is a movie from the 90s. I understand that. Okay. The film tries so very hard to be the movie of Summer 93 that it almost makes you sick for what could have been, what should have been, and in the end, what it is. Soulless sound and fury, action in a vacuum. Well... Well, that means nothing. That's nothing. Yeah, you said nothing. Yeah. So this is writing in a vacuum. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Amber, do you know that when you retire from movie criticking that they retroactively take away all your critical critics um write-ups they just pull them pull them all well that means that mark savlov is still writing to this day is that what you're trying to tell me is that what you're trying to put on has retired and taken they've removed all of his if only that Mm -hmm. (laughs) overeducated sausage party loving person had been driven from relevance stricken stricken yeah i'm not getting into that i mean people don't people don't look to the austin chronicle for their movie reviews and their insightful critiques. They don't look... So, you know what? Mark Savlov isn't doing the same damage that A.O. Scott would do. That that is true. And yet I see him come up a lot, so he's doing some damage. Yeah. Yeah. Or... Mm, Where's my nudity? Oh, where is it, Savlov? (laughs) I don't know. Don't look at any other movie. He's literally saying nothing. Yeah, that that was just nothing. That was the... What was it? Feckless... Dramaturgy. Reckless dramaturgy, yes. Uh, at least that was saying something. It was just saying it in the most pretentious way possible. This this yeah, yeah. was a blurb of nonsense and nothingness. So yeah, movie's mindless. Stunts are great. Acting's bad. It's all over acting's, the place. I, the acting, like that... All right. I, I shouldn't, you know, judge kids too much. That child actor was not very good. No, mm-hmm. and, no. And, and, what, and when you have someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger in a movie who is very much his own thing and he does his own thing and that's fine. You can't put him near, like, playing opposite someone who's doing the exact same thing. Like... True. Kind of very little emotion. Over-the-top, scenery-chewing. Yes, scenery-chewing. Either either blank-faced and nothing or scenery Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. there were two... Yeah. things that the kid was doing which is like Wah! and then sometimes it was just like nothing yeah he was which... told to be a cartoon and, and the movie itself was the thing about last action hero is mm-hmm. it's a pg-13 movie 
Tis. However, it is geared to a PG audience. Yes. This movie is intended for 11-year-olds. It's intended for its main protagonist. That It's that age group. It's, it's for mm-hmm. them. But it still wanted to be an action movie for adults. Yeah. But everything was geared towards that fucking 10-year-old watching an action movie that was probably too old for them. Yeah. And so yeah. it's it's it makes nods to the audience in ways that a lot of kids' movies do. Kind of like, yeah, you know what we're talking about right now, right? Right, you do. We're not going to say it out loud, which you know. But then the acting is so cartoonish. The setups are so cartoonish. The dialogue is cartoonish. All of it is... It it feels like an Expendables made to be Mm -hmm. a satire for (laughs) children who are watching movies above their age group. Yeah. And I was one of those kids. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And... I loved this movie when I was little. <laughs> Absolutely, because I was that kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love a good action movie, and there were little bits and pieces in this that actually signaled things to me that I hadn't seen before. I think mm-hmm. largely because it was a satire. It wasn't actually right. trying to be Rambo. It wasn't actually trying to be Terminator or Predator or Lethal Weapon. I mean, because we're dealing with a cop movie uh, or Beverly mm-hmm. Hills. So, like, it's more the Lethal Weapon, Beverly Hills Cop mode of things. Right. It. Uh, was parodying those yeah yeah buddy cop movie a lot of ultra violence but still kind of silly with an acknowledgement to the embarrassing logic and physics of how those movies work of the unkillable hero where everyone else around them is dying and i i thought it was hilarious because i couldn't watch those movies but i knew about those movies right and sometimes i could sneak them Mm mm-hmm and so, or I could watch them on TV once they pulled out the swears once they and the pulled really, out the scary like the violent bits. and the sexy bits. Yeah. So it's it's this movie spoke directly to us, the ten year olds in the nineties. Yes, absolutely. but with little bits and pieces in there that we hadn't seen before that made us so giddy that Megan and I both expanded their actual role in the film, and we'll talk about that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Did not remember this movie correctly. This movie wasn't meant for the critics, nor was it meant for the audience the critics were reviewing it for. Right, right. So it was meant for the 10-year-olds. And honestly, I don't think it was meant for the audience that the filmmakers intended it for. Mm, you were making yes. a kids' movies, guys. I'm sorry, but you just were. Yeah. Apparently, they actually brought it down from an R rating to a PG-13 rating. And that is the only reason anybody mm-hmm. liked this movie. Yep, yep. And that was actually Arnold who did that. He was like the... Uh, executive producer I think for the first time and mm. he kind of insisted that it come down to that PJ-13 rating and had had some of the script editing and stuff that he did him his very own self Amber smartest thing he could have done because it brought in the kindergarten cop slash twins crowd yeah to his film and, and here we are talking yep. about it years later and not saying uh, I hated it I'm saying I loved this movie when I was a kid mm-hmm on rewatch, there are some, you know, harder parts about it, but not, but not, well, not terrible, terrible. No, not terrible, terrible. Yeah. So, and, uh, and I get to appreciate some new yeah. things about it that I hadn't really thought about before. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like how fucking evil that fucking ticket is. Oh, that ticket. That ticket had it out. Ticket had some plans, Amber. That ticket had some dreams. It is the mm-hmm. one ring of tickets. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Critics Corner, they're not wrong, but they are wrong because both they and the filmmakers didn't realize that this is a children's movie. Yes, yes. And they also didn't bring up kind of 
very important bits of of Megan. Of, uh, it was the nineties, and they didn't care. The nineties, and they didn't. And, it and now have, it's the twenty twenties, and they don't care. <laughs> and it might have been the part of the movie they liked the best. Yeah, I know. Old Savlov was probably real pleased. Mm, yeah. All right. Okay. Toodles, Mister Critics. This movie starts out with what at first I felt we felt was a kind of throwaway scene. Okay, okay. So like little little backup. There's this kid. All he wants to do is watch movies. He goes and watch movies at uh, this like just derelict, upsetting, creepy um, theater that's about to be uh, uh, knocked down. Mm-hmm. Um, in New York City, I, I assume Manhattan, but yeah. could be Brooklyn, could be Bronx. I don't, yeah. I don't know. They don't tell us, but it's definitely New York in the '90s, and it is threatening. Yes, and he'd rather he goes to the movies instead of school. He goes to the movies at midnight. He he doesn't. He he lives at the movies. He he doesn't just live at the movies. He. Even when he's at school, after we see him at the movies, then we see yes. him sneak into school for the last hour of the day, in which mm-hmm. the teacher is showing them a scene from Hamlet yep. to explain how it's the, the beginning of an action movie. And then while he's sitting in class, he is imagining that scene from Hamlet as portrayed by his favorite action movie star, Jack Slater. Right. And so rather than even being in school, we're in school for all of 30 seconds before we're yeah. then transported into him fantasizing about Hamlet in the movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. It's actually yes. a pretty solid scene. It is, actually, it is a pretty solid scene. That's some yeah. good Shakespeare. But it is movie, school, movie imagination. Mm-hmm. And then we're in reality very briefly, and it is the most upsetting scene. It yeah. it stuck with me so hard, and you apparently didn't even remember it. I, I think I, I blocked it out. Oh, this scene. And it seems like it comes from nowhere. Right. So, okay. So we've got uh, we've got um, Danny, who's played by Austin O'Brien. He's um, a a only child. He's being raised by a single mom, and so he's alone in the house. And of course, he needs to go to the movies, Amber. And what does he do? But he opens up his door, and someone comes in to uh, uh, to rob him. It's and but it's so it's, much scarier than that, Megan. Oh, yes, I'm the I'm way they set it up. It's not. It's not an, oh, here comes a robber. No. Okay, they're living in this tiny, claustrophobic apartment mm-hmm. in, in, in New York. And he his mom tells him, lock the top lock as soon as I'm gone. And then we see the mm-hmm. clock tick down and it's 11 p.m. And he's going to you know sneak off to the theater to watch a movie before it's even released. It's the newest one in the Jack Slater series. There, it's, Got oh, to. Oh, God. It's exciting. But So he opens the door. And then you see someone pass by in the dark hallway there are no yeah. lights in that hallway it is dark you barely see the shadowy figure and then he immediately closes the door mm-hmm. and he takes a breath and you're like oh oh i'm scared now he's scared mm-hmm. and then he seems to steal himself and then he opens the door again and but as he's doing it he opens the door but he has the key in the outside lock as he's swinging it shut knowing mm-hmm. that if he can't get it locked fast enough someone could force him in like yeah. it's the maneuver is practiced and fearful mm-hmm and then somebody does shove him in and put a knife to his throat. A grown person and this yeah. 11-year-old boy with a knife to his throat, shoving him into his apartment, throws him into the bathroom. And he's, he's he gets his courage up. This kid who is half this man's size. And the man just looks at him and he's like, oh, really? Yeah, what's he going to okay, do? Okay, you don't want to cuff yourself to the drain pipe? Fine. 
here's the knife. I'll make it easy for you. I'll turn my back to you. Mm -hmm. Go for it, kid. So it's not just horrifying that here's a grown man in his home with a knife and he's a child. Yep. But then he also psychologically browbeats him into realizing just how helpless he is. Kid, it's not about the knife or my size. It's about the fact that you are a coward and the world is a scary place and you're powerless. You now know that you're powerless. Now fucking cuff yourself to that fucking drain while I rifle through your belongings. Right. Which then he comes back and says aren't very good and he won't get very much money for them. And so like essentially he's done all of this to humiliate this child and psychologically torture him. And it's going to mean 20 bucks to this guy. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's all of it, like, seems almost irrelevant and kind of wondering, well, why why did they even do this thing? Because they then, you're at the police station, he's filling in a report, and then he, he, this this part is also remarkable to me. The kid has just had his home broken into at knife point. And then he apparently physically went to the police station, or maybe mm-hmm. he called the police and they brought him to the police station. But now he is far from home. Now, remember, this break-in took place at after 11 p.m. at yes. night, while his mom was not home. She works the night shift. So the cops say, your mom says to go straight home, kid. Mm-hmm. It must be, at the very least midnight, more logically, after 1 a.m. So yeah, kid... Why don't you just wander back through the streets to your apartment building that is filled with people with knives in the hallway that has no lights? You should right. be good, right? Right. It seems a little strange that either his mom didn't come get him or uh, that the cops didn't take him home. But okay, cool. Yeah. Instead, anyway. instead, this kid, you would think, I don't want to leave the police station until mom comes get me. Or I'm going to go straight home and lock every lock that I have and hide under the covers. Or I am going to go to the derelict movie theater that has spray-painted restroom signs and wallpaper that's falling off and holes in the walls. And yeah, I'm just going to watch this movie. Like, this is what I'm going to do tonight. I'm, I'm still I'm still going out. I still got plans. My night's not I, over. I think I would do that last one, Amber. That sounds delightful. Why does that scene exist? <laughs> Don't. I have, well. I've asked myself that so many times. Mm-hmm. And in watching the movie, I have come to realize this time around Mm -hmm. that this child is so divorced from reality that it makes sense he takes so easily to the physics and the science and the world of an actual movie. Like when he's transported to it, he doesn't have a mental break. He is on board. He -hmm. knows those rules better than the rules of the real world. He is able to be reckless and do stupid shit because, oh yeah, it's an action movie and there are no consequences and I know how this works and honestly, fuck the real world. I don't want to think about it. Right, right. Oh, yeah. okay. So And it serves so to healthy. show that he's, yeah, right. And serves to show that he's a child. Like he's a child live, who lives his life in the movies. And so like... Because the real world makes him so sad and helpless. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking grim. His, I mean, it, it is the way of, it, it's the way the movie tells you, and in, in what I don't think is a completely necessary manner, why no. he is so obsessed with the movies. 
we're kids. We're obsessed with movies. We yeah. idolize random characters. It's a thing we do. You don't need to show me that, hey, this kid that we passingly tell you has a dead dad has divorced himself so heavily from the world that he doesn't want to go to school. And even when he's there, he's thinking about the movie. And then he mm -hmm. goes to the movies at the risk of his own freaking safety. And he has a traumatic experience in his responses to put himself in go, further danger so that he can go to the movies and escape again. Right. That's some dark shit, Last it, Action Hero. It really is. His only friend seems to be this uh, projectionist um, who is... Um, Played by Robert Prosky. His name is Nick you. in the movie. Yes. Thank you. And uh, he, yeah, so like he's got this, I don't know, octogenarian uh, friend who's a protagonist, a projectionist at a uh, derelict movie theater. Like all of it is very, very grim. They make the real world look real rough, Amber. Real so rough. rough. It is intentional to make New York as harrowing as it is. And once and literally we... dark. Like, oh, oh, pitch yeah. black. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And e even once we... and. Folks, if you've never seen this movie, we start by being in Arnold Schwarzenegger's Jack Slater world of the movie. And then we mm -hmm. come out of it to realize we're watching an 11-year-old boy watch this movie. And then we're in the real world for a little while. And then the boy enters the film mm -hmm. yep. and lives in the film for a while. But then he and Jack Slater come back into the real world. And that's when things get grim again. This right. kid does not like his life or the world and has some very bleak views on how it works. yeah. But yep. we're not going to really examine that. We're just going to sort of have it be there. And then sort of the subtext is, that's why he's so obsessed with this shit, y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, on that, on that happy note, Amber, how does he get into this movie? His old friend, Nick. And by old, I mean he's an old man who's friends with an 11-year-old boy that he encourages to come out into the city on his own after midnight invites him yes uh -huh. um and also is aware that he's skipping school to watch his movies nick is a good guy so mm -hmm. that's his pedigree yep he has this magic ticket from houdini he says here's this ticket i've never used it mm -hmm. but I, I i was told it was magic from houdini himself yeah. i've never used it because well what if it didn't work and also they sort of said that it has a mind of its own and it does what it wants to do so that also made me a little leery here you go kid Watch anyway. this violent action movie with this magic ticket that may or may not work. Yeah. And then he also tears it in half, you know, because you tear tickets in half and you stick one in the box. Mm -hmm. But it, it's still a thing that you got from Houdini. Why are you ripping that? It's it's, it's still a hundred year old ticket. And it's okay. Yeah, you just, I guess, I mean, Amber, he had to rip the ticket in half to activate it. That's, that's what using a ticket is, Amber. Sure. Okay. Well, Megan, this magic ticket does in fact work. Mm -hmm. And it does absolutely have a mind of its own. He's sitting and watching this film. It's ridiculous. There's a scene. Oh, it's actually kind of a funny scene where a dude just has a box filled with sticks of dynamite and yeah. a flare to light them with. And he's just chucking them at Jack Slater, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character. Yeah. It's and pretty the funny. ticket first activates to send one of those sticks of dynamite into the movie theater with the 11-year-old. That is the opening salvo of this magic ticket is, hey, yeah. kid, explosives. Here's some dynamite. The fuck, magic ticket? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you some evil shit. Mm -hmm. This is some bad juju that is here. This is not yeah. whimsical. This is immediately, boom, kid. Oh, you're fast. Oh, you get inside the movie. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, yeah, thanks. Kinda, that's exactly what I wanted. That's where I wanted you. Now I'm going to stop working until I get next to the evilest motherfucker in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. He, a few times, uh, Danny tries to get the ticket to work again, uh, which apparently he thinks by warming it up or... or <laughs> <laughs> flicking, flicking it back it and forth like it's gonna Polaroid. work Polaroid yeah yep uh it it does not uh yeah so he can't get back into the real world and uh yeah he he accompanies Slater on shenanigans Amber he does he does he, he sort of tries to do the you know is it the pl- platonic guys at a cave with the pictures on the wall whatever you know how when you try and convince somebody that the world that they know isn't the real world and there's another real world, but you, your magic ticket just won't work, but you also understand all of the facts and figures about the movie film that you're in, so you know every little piece of their life, including the private moments, because those things have been on screen for you to watch, and you mm-hmm. just blithely tell them about them as though... Th- the thing here is, Megan, mm-hmm. this 11-year-old boy, for whom films are more important and more real than what is real when confronted with them actually being real, still treats them like a movie? Yep. To the extent that he does not respect the feelings of any of the characters he's interacting with as though they're real people with real feelings. Like, they are still right. yeah, there's not no- real to him. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, remember when this tragic thing happened to you? Yeah, that was a bummer. When my son died? <sighs> When wow. every member of my family was murdered, when it's it's he even just sort of blithely say, like, oh yeah, you had this amazing private heart to heart with this other character. Did you tell him about that? No, I would never tell anyone about that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean that that's his mo though, right? Like he lives in the movies. He just he, but he's still a kid. He doesn't understand yeah. people. He's not a good person, is what I'm saying. No, 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 no. But neither is the ticket that hitched a ride with him. And it, it mm-hmm. kind of WB frogs him with the whole, well, not WB, Looney Tunes frogs him with the whole, I will not work when you want me to work. Yes. As he's trying yep. to convince Jack Slater mm-hmm. of the unrealness of his existence. Right. Uh, so, you know, they have some funny-ish scenes, some action scenes. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's an action movie satire. So ridiculous chases, ridiculous explosions. Yeah. Uh, Jack Slater... Is, is always completely unharmed. His his car always. doesn't even get a ding or a bullet hole despite jumping it off bridges and the constant gunfire of henchmen. Right. Danny's able to contribute by telling uh, them in the movie what he learned while he was watching the movie. So he's able to give some background information to the, what the bad guys are up to. So that's his kind of in to become the buddy of the buddy cop. Exactly. So he, he sort of pushes the movie's plot along by... Mm-hmm telling characters things they wouldn't otherwise know it's fine it's fine and it's like honestly like okay sure yeah, that that's yeah. a relatively good idea for a movie it is it's kind of fun you push the characters around you do silly things and, and it's all good well not good but def- very self-aware action satire yes and the main bad guy of the film is actually the henchman of a bad guy who's a very mm-hmm. Very stereotypical Sicilian mob boss drug dealing figure. Yeah. Um, Vivaldi is Vivaldi. his character's name. Yep. But Anthony the, Quinn, yes. But then we have Benedict, played by yes. Charles Dance, and he's yes. he's the henchman of Vivaldi, but really he's mm-hmm. he's the smart one. He knows things, he's a he's an expert marksman, he's got a glass eye that mm-hmm. makes him extra creepy. And he's smart and evil. And the ticket almost immediately jumps from Danny to him. 
Yes. The ticket just needed in, and Danny was the route in, and now mm-hmm. it's going to hitch its its uh, chariot to to one Mr. Benedict, who's, you know, the most evil in the movie. Yep. And who it immediately starts working for, mm-hmm. and he immediately figures out what it is. Yes. And then he starts machinating, and he's like, oh, okay, so I can jump out of this world anytime I want, so let's just shoot Vivaldi, do whatever the hell I want, and yeah. peace out. And then, hey, real world, cool. Well, what can I, well, I can just, I can just get all of the worst movie villains that ever existed Yeah. and unleash them in this world. Wait, 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 hold on. Maybe this world is actually better than mine. Let me check. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. That guy just got robbed for his shoes and, uh, wow, no one cares. Yeah, oh, he's, he's not robbed. He, he's dead. He was murdered for his shoes and uh-huh. no one cares. Okay. Uh, he actually seems to like, you know, like brace himself for the cops to start coming. Like he starts to act casual because mm-hmm. he thinks the cops are going to come running. And he's looking at his watch. He's like, nope. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, in my world, that definitely would have alerted the police. Well, you know what? This needs further science testing. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to shoot a man mm-hmm. and then shout into the night I've just shot a man. I ended his life. I knew what I was doing. And I'd like to confess. <laughs> I mean, one could think, Amber, that he could just have fired the gun into the air and said the exact same thing. But Megan, he's a, he's a murderer, not a liar. Okay. Yeah. So it's important that you murder a man in <laughs> cold blood to check to make sure a gunshot does not bring cops, you know, to your door. You know- and maybe there were witnesses and they could have, you know, maybe that would have spurred them on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So nothing happens. Yeah, and he nothing is, happens. So this is also kind of a very uh, existentially nihilistic sense of the real world where this yeah. movie villain is expecting there to be repercussions for his heinous actions, realizes there are none, and then just feels like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. Yeesh. Is that just like a testimony, uh, like a testament to how the filmmakers feel about New York or it, the they world did in general? Not portrayed New York in a favorable light. I mean, truthfully, you know, it's the 90s New York City where things were a little, little rougher. They made it real dark there. They made it real dark, and yet we followed an 11 year old around it. Mm hmm. Okay. Yes. So this is what the ticket does. Mm-hmm. The ticket jumps an explosive to the real world to either kill or lure the child into the film, refuses to work until the baddest guy it can find gets a hold of it, and then works nonstop for him for whatever he wants. Whatever he wants. He can go into any movie and pull out any person from it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yes, he, Megan. So he brings back the man from the previous uh, Jack Slater movie who murdered Jack Slater's son. Yep. Oh, boy. The Ripper, played by Tom Noonan. Yeah. Yeah. So he immediately brings a child murderer psychopath with an axe to to the world. And the ticket's like, cool. Thank you. This is what I wanted. And then you just see a newspaper he'd been reading. And he's just circled (laughs) Jason Voorhees and Freddy (laughs) Krueger and Uh all of these other things. And the only reason... (laughs) Fucking Dracula. (laughs) The only reason he has not yet brought these characters to life is because mm-hmm. he's decided inexplicably. And honestly, this is a smart man. But he's decided that the first thing he has to do is kill Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. 
in theory, because that will stop there from being a Jack Slater? That seemed to be the movie logic of it, yes. Was that that? So maybe if he, would, would that mean that Jack Slater just blinks out of existence? Or does that mean there are just no more Jack Slater movies? Yeah, I mean, the, the, I, I feel like Jack Slater and, the, and Danny were talking about a little talking about this a little bit and they didn't know but it seemed like they were worried that he could just they had to save real Schwarzenegger so that Jack Slater could live Mm, that's fair and and it it could have also just been a way of of luring them to a specific place yes so he could eliminate the only people who knew what he was doing and what he would be capable of Mm -hmm. before he brings Dracula to the world yes. Dracula Dracula <laughs> when in all honestly honesty he should have taken that ticket and left New York City and they never would have found him oh god you just fucking disappear bro yeah mm-hmm. you got a magic ticket that loves your flavor mm-hmm. just loves it so hard yeah the I don't want to well actually we can just talk about the end now yeah because I, it's, yeah. For, for me this is about the ticket's journey and the ticket's journey comes to, the, to a conclusion in this fashion. Mm-hmm. Jack Slater and Danny are able to defeat Benedict. Yes. Despite his brilliance and access to an actual magic ticket that is totally cool with evil. Right, right. And and they, they Jack Slater seems to do kind of the heroic thing of like needing, wanting to kill uh, Benedict over wanting to go home. So like he, he knew he might destroy the ticket in order to remove benedict from the world and he was going to be okay with that except the ticket lives amber the ticket lives and it floats down onto the sidewalk near you guessed it a movie theater and what's playing why a movie with death Mm -hmm. there's a lot of movies playing which one does it choose the one starring death yeah it this ticket it's not just that it has a mind of its own. This ticket is actively evil. And yeah. Benedict failed it. And what is the worst thing it has access to right now? The actual fucking character of death. Mm-hmm. And just because this big swing does not work in the ticket's favor does not mean that it did not intend to unleash the greatest evil it could think of. Mm-hmm. And in a way, this demonstrates the limitations of the evil of the ticket itself. It believed that death as a concept was an evil thing, when in fact, death is a very neutral entity and in some ways potentially merciful. Right. So fuck you, ticket. Yeah, it didn't understand like that that death is not actually necessarily, I mean, depends on what culture and, and how you're thinking about it. But like, death is not necessarily evil. Death goes by you know, kind of the natural order of things, which is mm-hmm. what death was doing. Death wasn't just going to get on out into the world and sort of smite everybody. At least not this version of death. Exactly. It was an intellectual version of death mm-hmm. from an art house film. So well, fuck it, you, ticket. Select better. Yeah, I mean, it was played by Ian McKellen, so... Oh, that's a classy-ass death. It's gonna be a classy death. I love that Ian McKellen is in this movie for five seconds as it's death. fucking ridiculous. And yep. just wonderful. Mm-hmm. So this ticket that was apparently given, sorry, Houdini had it. Mm-hmm. He gave it to a child. Megan, yeah. why did Houdini give it to a child? Because the, the projectionist was a child when he was given yeah, this ticket. Yeah, Nick was little. Yeah. Uh, Amber, I don't think Houdini thought that Nick would use the ticket. Nick is way too chicken shit to, um, you know, have used the ticket, which Houdini was correct. 
That <laughs> child? That child uh, decided not to use the ticket and gave it to another child. Who eat? So this is the short-sightedness of Houdini then. Yes, Houdini, also. Yes. Houdini mm-hmm. gave the ticket to a chicken shit, knowing he wouldn't use it. And maybe that's the only way to keep it. Maybe that's that's sort of the one ring concept. Like, give it mm. to a hobbit, and they're not going to be able to come the master of all evil, but you've got to keep it out of the hands of elf lords. Right. But, so it, it was the only yeah. safe way to pass the ticket on. However, mm-hmm. when you give something to a chicken shit, they may not use it, and it may ruin their entire... Like, think about how... Think about how Nick felt when he realized the ticket was actually magical. Nick, like, I don't want... Amber, I don't want to. And let me tell you why. (laughs) (laughs) The reason is that if I think too much about Nick's life, it will make me cry. Because they portray Nick as essentially the saddest man on the universe. In the universe. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he stayed close to film. Like, he, he loves... Film. He loves theater. He loved Houdini. He worked in this old school theater his entire life. He has this old school uniform he puts on to show Danny the day before the theater is about to be demolished. This sad, empty, broken down theater that no one cares about anymore. And he's held on to this magic ticket his entire life and never had the courage to use it and knows it knows he was too much of a coward to use this thing that could Mm -hmm. be incredible but he just i think it ruined his life i think it poisoned his mind and made him into the sad man that he is yeah do you think uh nick is a grim like uh uh uh, thing that danny could become when he's older absolutely nick is gollum and frodo was a hundred percent on the way to becoming gollum yeah is what i'm saying sure okay just a sad lonely thing. Mm-hmm. Nick Excellent. is I don't disagree Nick is is sad and depressing. The problem is mm-hmm. when you have a broken down figure like Nick giving something away, he did not make as good a choice as Houdini did. He did not. No. And that ticket was able to hitch a ride to the sweet life, but it wasn't smart enough to hitch its wagon to the right star, I think. Yeah. Death was a big swing and a miss. And then we don't worry about the ticket anymore. That ticket is still sitting on the street outside of a movie theater. Yeah, that ticket is still bringing forth whatever the fuck it wants to. And none of it's good stuff. So that's that that to me is the movie. Yes, the, now, the, the, as the tale of the ticket is the is the most exciting part. But let's talk about the film as children, Megan. What mm-hmm. what were the things that stuck out to us the most hmm. when we were but but kittles kittles and bits. Kittles and bits. Yes. Amber <laughs> One thing I re- really remember is Whitney or Meredith. Oh, Whitney's the best. Sorry, Bridget. Oh my gosh. Yep. Thank you for that. <laughs> Bridget Wilson plays uh, Whitney, who, because of movie logic, obviously, uh, Whitney is Jack Slater's, Jack Slater's daughter, but Meredith is the actress who plays her in the movie's version of the movie. You got all yeah. that, right? That yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, how we meet Arnold Schwarzenegger in the real world, and Jack Slater is played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, but also there's a real Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger. In the world of the movie, in the movie, the character mm-hmm. is Whitney, yep. who is played by the real world actress Meredith, who is actually the real world, real world actress. Mm-hmm. Yes, Bridget Wilson. Right. So it all makes sense. It all makes sense. So Amber, we have this character of Whitney Meredith Bridget, who is. 
uh, uh, Slater's daughter. And, man, what do you remember from her uh, when you were little? How, I how remember you... her being the best part of the movie. Uh-huh, I remember yes. her being in the movie just so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I remember thinking, I've never seen this before. I love this. It's amazing that this is in this movie. It's my favorite part of it. I'm so glad she's in so much of it. Yeah, I had uh, essentially the same feeling about her, and she turns out to be, I don't know, less than five minutes of the movie, Amber? Man, time dilation in the child brain. Someone should do a study. Yeah, maybe it's 10 kind of peripherally, but yeah, it's, uh, she, she, she's, she's a badass, she's a fighter, she, um, uh, uh, you know, some, you know, goon is beating her up and then she beats, turns it around and beats him up, but still pretends he's beating her up. And it's, it's so cool, Amber. And then she's gone. Almost like a mirage. Bye, Whitney Meredith Bridget. Bye. Oh my gosh, though. That scene Mm -hmm. in the room. Yes. For whatever reason, Jack Slater drops Danny off with his daughter and leaves mm-hmm. him alone for to go do some business. And in yeah. that time, the big bad guy Benedict shows up with a whole heap and helping of goons. Why to wouldn't in- he? To investigate Danny, who mm-hmm. very, very audibly outside of the bad guy's door as he and Jack were leaving, was describing things he couldn't possibly have overheard him say because of the movie. Yeah. Basically, he's an incautious fool, and it led the very intelligent bad man straight to his door. Right, and like, what the fuck is happening? How do you know what I said in a private conversation? <laughs> Damn it, Danny. I mean, he's 11, okay? He's 11, he's mm-hmm. been giving him an evil magic ticket with a mind of its own. This yeah. is actually pretty, probably par for the course. Mm-hmm. Now, Whitney, Meredith Brittany, Bridget. Mm-hmm. God, that's so easy to do. Yeah. <laughs> Whitney Meredith Bridget. Uh, she seems like she's just a helpless woman. You know, she's screaming, she's, she's struggling, but ineffectively her beautiful blonde hair is swishing every which way. And Mm -hmm. Benedict orders the goon to just take her into the other room and teach her some manners. And Mm -hmm. he, ooh, he does, he does. He just whap, backhands her right in the face. And it just shows her face away from him, but towards the camera go, Mm -hmm. big mistake. And then she turns around and keeps screaming like a helpless girl, but beats Mm -hmm. the ever loving shit out of him. Yes. Yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. She gets the gun. She stops the bad guy from doing a bad guy thing. Then the gun gets knocked out of her hand. But then she cartwheels away. And, and then she's just gone. And, and she's gone. Bridget Wilson winds up being, a couple years later, Sonya Blade. And, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And she's great in that movie. We've talked about how they did her dirty a little bit by turning her into the damsel in distress. Oh, and I recently learned Mortal Kombat 11. They had her do the voice of Sonya Blade. Nice. That's Kinda awesome. cool, right? Yeah. So this Good job. This woman I am accustomed to thinking of as a badass and, mm-hmm. and as a, you know, sweet little 10-year-old child. Here's the thing for me about this character. Mm-hmm. Her ephemerality notwithstanding. So much of this movie is about satire of the genre, right? Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll talk about the other women in this movie and how they're not actually satire. They're just... More homage than anything else. In fact, right. what they do is almost more offensive than what other movies do because they're aware of what they're doing and yet they're doing it anyway. Yeah. Have you, like, up until this point in the movies that you've been allowed to see, had you seen a Whitney before? I don't think so. No. Not not like that, certainly. Not in an action movie. No. Yeah. So 
they invented this character. I mean, I think we we both responded so strongly to it because we hadn't seen it before. And so it's weird mm -hmm. to introduce it almost as a trope. You have Jack Slater when he's really kind of having an existential crisis about his existence as an action movie star when you really break it down. I just want to live a normal life, but I keep getting roped into these insane adventures and surviving when everyone else around me dies. Every day yeah. when I come home to my almost empty apartment, I have to shoot a guy in the closet. I don't know why. There's just always a guy in the closet that I have to shoot. Mm -hmm. And I have an ex-wife who is happily married, but I pretend calls me so that people think I have a home life. And my daughter is you think she's cool, 11-year-old boy. I think, why is my teenage daughter field stripping an automatic rifle instead of going to her prom? She's going to die a young woman. This is horrifying. And yeah, like, that's that's cool and that's funny. And that's actually a part of the movie that I really like. His mm -hmm. existential ennui in, yes. in the face of his the, the material realness of his existence. But Whitney's not a trope. No. Nope. At least not yet, I don't think. Yeah, no, she kind of comes out of nowhere. So it's interesting that they created that in a satire where everything else is a send-up of a pre-existing thing, and then you have a Whitney. And it, mm -hmm. for us, it was, oh, cool, a movie that finally did this. In a yep. movie that is doing nothing new as opposed to being self-referential. I don't know. It's there's, there's something. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. Yeah. We just love and, Whitney. Yeah, we do love Whitney, even though... Not enough, Whitney. And and you do have um, Slater's character concerned about her, but, like, he's concerned that she's missing her childhood. He's concerned that he's she's going to yeah. die. And, like, that's kind of a, like, along with his ennui, he's also, like, his concern isn't she's a, you know, she's too too violent or whatever. His concern is, like, she's a kid. She should be having right. these worries. It's not she's not feminine enough and she's not wearing dresses. It's mm -hmm. she's going to die. Yeah, at that. Yeah, my life is dangerous. Every family member I have is dead to the extent that this movie had to kill my second cousin. Right. Yeah, my favorite second cousin. My favorite second cousin. It's it's almost a race to see whose whose life is sadder. I mean, obviously Nick's is sadder, Nick but Jack is Slater's sadder. is yeah. pretty rough once he mm -hmm. realizes that it's fiction. Right, and someone's doing this to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he doesn't love it. His son is dead. He's alone in the world. Mm-hmm. And shit just keeps on happening to him and everyone around him dies, but he can't seem to. You know, those those tragic stories of sort of the Lazarus character or the Frankenstein yeah. character where ultimately they're bemoaning their endless mm -hmm. life? Right. That's, I feel like there's a... It's a little bit, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's kind of where he's at. There's no reason for me to love because they'll just get murdered by the bad guy in my closet at some point. Mm-hmm. Amber, so so they don't okay. So Whitney Meredith Bridget isn't in it for very long, but at least there's other women in this movie. Um, technically, yes. Okay, okay. Um, okay. Well, let's focus on the other woman in this movie who has a speaking role and is actually good. Sure. Yeah. You mean I, mom? Yeah, I believe her, her character is mom. <laughs> It's Irene. I, Her name's Irene, IMDb. Nope, nope. According to IMDb, uh, Mercedes Rule's character's name is Mom. Also, uh, Bridget Wilson isn't even in the 18 top cast members oh, on IMDb. On. You have to click on the additional cast members. And I, I want to be clear, Chevy Chase and Jim Belushi are in those 18. Yeah, they had so many cameos in this. You mean so they were course. in it for one second on the red carpet and they're yeah. in the top 18. And they're still above her. That's, but Bridget that's Wilson, 
It's, yeah. So That's IMDB it. is kind of part of the problem right now for me yeah. a little bit. But yeah. Irene, Danny's mm-hmm. single mother, works nights, is kind of harried, clearly really loves and cares about him, is really trying. Like When she realizes that he went to the theater instead of going to school, she's upset. She's disappointed. She lies for him, though. Mm-hmm. She and still doesn't want him to be in trouble. Yep. And she, the, the the line of dialogue that we get that kind of explains her tolerance is, I didn't want to be here either, kid. I didn't mm-hmm. want to be a widow at the age of 40 working a single job. Like, so there, there's tragedy in their lives, and she mm-hmm. understands that this is him acting out to cope with this. It is, there is a darker subtext yeah, to the, I feel like, I want to read the original script, because I feel like it might have been a little bit more emotive and a little bit darker and a little less slapstick because little pieces of it are sprinkled throughout with her saying that i don't want to be a widow and with just danny's character in general his inability to interact with reality except to look at it and say i hate this right even at the end when he's screaming at death Mm -hmm. it makes sense if you pay attention to the little things seated throughout but it's actually a little bit jarring given the rest of the tone of the movie Mm mm-hmm you decide who stays and who goes, and it's not fair, you fucking monster. Fuck you, death. I mean, you mm-hmm. don't get to say the F word because it's PG-13. Right. Thank you, Muppet. But, yeah, there, there's there's some darkness in this film. And and Irene, I connected with that character so yeah. much. Not yeah. not connected with, but I, I really liked that character so much because there's a scene when Jack Slater is in the real world. Mm-hmm. And the 11-year-old Danny brings him home to his terrified mother at 4 o'clock in the morning. Right. Um, he's been gone. He's been yeah. gone. He's been gone. And he was supposed to come straight home from the police station. Yeah. After having been robbed at knife point. Yeah. So when she came home from work, her recently traumatized child was not home. Had not been home yet. Yeah. Well, that's totally upsetting. And then he comes home with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Luckily, dude says, I'm a cop. I'm not actually Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's fine. And Mm -hmm. there's this amazing scene when Danny gets up the next day where they've clearly been up talking all night. And Danny comes in hot. And Jack Slater's response is to side with Irene. Like, ho, ho, ho. You... Your mom works hard. What is this I hear about you not going to school? Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing, kid? And he's, he's so, thank you, Irene. I would love some more coffee. It's, it's just mm-hmm. so sweet and domestic. And then he hears a classical song on the radio and he asks her to turn it up. She's like, oh, you like Mozart? I think I do. And there's that moment of, oh, right, because the only thing he gets to listen to because he lives in an action movie is heavy fucking metal. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's this, Sweet moment. And then when he's dying at the end and he has to go back into the movie so that he won't die, mm-hmm. the thought he has of going back to this horrible world that he doesn't want to go, go into, the, the thing that he's going to miss, the thing that he regrets mm-hmm. is Irene. He he's wants this, to... Yeah. He wants to spend more time with her. Yeah. And, and the thing he says after meeting her and talking to Danny is, I've never gotten to just talk to a woman before. Mm-hmm. And that's as close as the movie comes to acknowledging that in action movies, what the male characters do with the female characters is not have conversations. They either right. flirt or they fuck. That's yep. the two things. Right. Which they represent in that scene and mm-hmm. then don't do any better the entire movie, essentially. 
Yep. Yep. Well, so, let's, let's so there's talk about the rest of the women, Megan. Yeah. So there's there's this. Yeah. Uh, uh, they're not hitting that balance. Yeah. The uh, all the other women in the movie are literally dressed in like pleather, kind of uh, uh, fetish dom wear, um, including like the police officers and the blockbuster workers. Like, get it, Amber. Get it because get it because we ogle women in movies, Amber. Get it? It's only satire if you satirize it. Mm. Okay. In The Flight Attendant, in the first season, mm-hmm. they go to some guy's apartment. He's this very rich guy. We don't know a ton about him, but we're starting to try and you know, get a picture of who he might have actually been. He's been idealized by the main character. And all of the artwork on his walls is just shots of women, but none of them have heads or faces. It's just their bodies. And they're very mm-hmm. artistic shots. Mm-hmm. And they're all over the apartment. And if you left it just like that, the only comment you might be making is that, ah, so a rich, high-end guy has, this is art, right? This is just what art is, and this is what taste is. And, you know, he has a stuffed polar bear, but he also has these. Except that there's a male character who enters that apartment, and he looks at all these pictures, and he makes the comment, why do none of these women have faces? Mm-hmm. That is commentary. That yep. is satire. But mm-hmm. in a movie where it is satire and you're commenting on everything else that you're doing, why is there a guy in your closet? Why does she field strip a rifle? You're, 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 you have to make mention of it mm-hmm. if you're doing it. Because right. if you're doing it without comment, then you're just fucking doing it. So if every cop in the station who is a man is dressed as a cop, but every woman squeaks as she walks by because she's wearing a vinyl miniskirt or bodysuit or cone bra or Mm -hmm. fetish wear, that's not satire. That's you just doing the thing. And you're Mm -hmm. doing it to excess to highlight it. But then you don't comment on it. Yeah. Yep. And if the, all the customers have a fetish wear at the freaking blockbuster, and, and the one thing that he says is, okay, this has to be a movie because all of these women are impossibly beautiful. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. they're dressed ridiculously yeah. and uncomfortably and fetishistically. It's mm-hmm. all of these women are gorgeous. Explain mm-hmm. that. And Arnold's comment is, of course, it's LA. Of course they are. Right. But right. that actually highlights the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. It it points to the voyeuristic nature of the presence of the women, not isn't it fucked up that these women right. are dressed up to to be ogled? It, it no yeah. last action hero, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they missed missed real hard with that one, Amber. In general, mm-hmm. this movie's kind of cute when you look at it through the character of Jack Slater. His existential crises, his sort of chagrin, but. Um, what is what is the word? He's resigned. He's sort of resigned mm-hmm. to the reality of a situation, even in the face of this kid telling him none of it is real. Right. Uh, and then when he does go to the real world, he's sort of frustrated with Danny and and how much he dislikes it and how much he doesn't accept and understand and appreciate the the freedoms and the reality of it all. Right. Yeah. Um. Even even the I I got to have a conversation with a woman. It's neat. He's yeah. just, he's a sweet character. Yeah, yeah. Who makes cute little observations and appreciates things. And when he's not in the movies doing ridiculous one-liners, is actually really, really smart. Yeah, yep. Figures Which things again, out so fast. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is, you know, I've got some nostalgia for this movie. Sure. Some of it is still kind of funny. The, some of the action scenes are kind of funny. The one where he electrocutes the corpse and makes it shoot the other guy. That's funny. Yeah, there's some things. Um, Amber, yeah. well, well, but what would you rate this movie on the rock scale? Regrettable, outstanding, crazy balls, K or solid? Oh, Jesus, I hate this scale so much. I just need to say that every once in a while to remind people mm-hmm. of I how I feel. I say it every single time, actually. To be I'm fair. not sure I do. I'm not sure yeah, I do, Megan. Sometimes, sure sometimes I hold time. my feelings inside. Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound like you. Uh, it's crazy balls. Mm-hmm. It's K? Mm-hmm. Because it's not solid. No, it's not. You know, there could be a solid story in there. There are some beats I love. There are some concepts I love. Yeah. But f- it is a sprawling, overlong mess. Yeah, it is. And in that mess, there are some some things I'm delighted by. And and honestly, the, the watch through this time, getting to both re-experience some of the stuff that I loved and truly understand the depravity of the ticket and yeah. the darkness of Nick's existence is mm-hmm. nice. And it and is. I and I feel it's like upsetting. I'm I'm slowly archaeologically uncovering the original script that was meant to be a much darker examination yeah. of yeah. loss dark and death and reality and dissociation from reality and mm-hmm. psychological trauma and it literally ends with the kid having a conversation with death, Megan. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Oh, and the fact that you have these massive over-the-top villains and the ticket's final move is to summon death. Mm-hmm. Well, that's got to be the ultimate villain, right? right? And maybe if it were fucking Final Destination, sure. But no, you got Art House death, freaking Ian McKellen death, and that's that the kid actually gets to have a conversation with it and be like, you're a fucking villain. He's like, dude, I'm just nature, baby. Yeah, I'm I'm just here doing my job, and I'm not here to take either one of you. I'm just I was curious. I was curious that He's, man with the gunshot wound. He is not on any of my lists, so I was and, just like taking a peep. And he clearly should be super. He has a he's dying actively dying, mm. and yet not on my list. It's weird. And he's actually the one who explains to them how to keep him from dying after the kid yeah. is <laughs> an absolute dick to him. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, then you should help us. Just like I'm not. That's freaking my errand boy bag. come on what are you doing god you are you're very brave but you're not very bright <laughs> <laughs> yeah find the other half of the ticket dimwit and then he death sasses him and walks away that's mm-hmm. a that's sorry i know i already talked about it but it's just there's a movie in this movie that i would like to see yeah that's how mm. i feel about it on the fucking rock scale yay great megan do you have an easy story I do, Amber. So at some point, I decided to make, um, uh, I called them banana milkshakes for the kiddos, um, which essentially is just frozen banana mixed with a little bit of yogurt and blended up. You know, banana milkshake. You call you them milkshake. liar. He called them milkshake. You know. You uh, freaking, li- milkshakes don't have <laughs> healthy probiotics, you monster. Listen, Amber. <laughs> So I made these banana milkshakes and uh, um, we were we were having them and this is after dinner and it was just me and Abby and Maddie sitting along, sitting at the table and Abby's, Abby said to me, you know, these banana milkshakes are a great treat. I mean, Maddie's been at daycare all day. I've been out in the sun. 
you've been driving. You must be exhausted. (laughs) Said the five-year-old to me. Like, Can I get all- you a martini, Auntie Meggie? It's been a real day for all of us. A real grind. A I've real been out grind. in the sun. Mm-hmm. It's nice to just cool off with these refreshing beverages. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. The nine to five of it all, Auntie mm-hmm. Meggie. Yep. You must be exhausted. You've been driving all day. Exhausted. Anyway, it was just really thoughtful and sweet. Yeah. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And but do you have a recommendation? This is not a recommendation so much as an observation. It is okay. it, so basically it's not at all a recommendation. It's just some shit I want to get off my chest. I watched okay. Ghostbusters Afterlife. I don't recommend it. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's unnecessary. And mm-hmm. the fact that it was made feels like an just a repudiation of the 20 was it 2016 Ghostbusters or you know, the Lady Ghostbusters essentially yes. with yeah. brilliant actors that was very funny, fell apart at the end, but so do a lot of frickin' movies. And so you wanted to do something new with Ghostbusters, and you did, and then a bunch of trolls said, it's not like the first one, and it's women, and I don't like it. And the fucking filmmaker said, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. would you prefer a shot-for-shot remake of the original chock-full of nostalgia for all of the things that you thought the other one was lacking? Allow me to do that for you. And while it's not a shot-for-shot remake, honestly, there are some scenes that fucking are. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. That's, it's it's so disappointing because we didn't get a Ghostbusters 2016 2. We got this. Ghostbusters, kids, Ghostbusters. Afterlife. Kids, yeah. The kids are in it, but so are the original Ghostbusters, and so is Paul Rudd, and so is the ghost of Sam Raimi. Yeah, I heard about that. That that man's actually dead. And no, 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 but Megan, it was so the, tasteful. I don't know that it was, but it was. I am not pause. I I have not seen the movie, but I would bet dollars to donuts that uh, yeah, it was it, not tasteful. It is always difficult for something to be tasteful when you're actively trying to make money off of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I hear there's a uh, uh, action figure. No. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. I've I've I have heard that. So that. So even if it was ever kind of okay and maybe good, mm-hmm. that then spiked the ball on. Nope. We're just in it for the money. Yep. yep. <laughs> I feel. I feel like I learned that from Screen Rant, but I'm not. Uh, oh, I can watch that now. I've been yeah. avoiding watching that one because I meant to watch this movie. Okay. Cool. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for ruining that for me. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, I, it's fine, but it doesn't need to exist. And its existence sort of basically tells you the 2016 one was a mistake and they never should have done it. And this is what they should have done. Which sucks. It sucks a bit. And the kids, you know, it's it's a, it's a multi-ethnic cast. Mm-hmm. They have an Asian character. Okay. I'm... I'm Amber, my whole body's tensing no, up. Go it's, on. I mean, obviously, they don't have a gong play when he comes on. Thankfully, it is no longer the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s and mid-2000s. Sometimes um, 2020s. Yes. Sometimes uh-huh. 2020s. His name is Podcast, and he calls himself Podcast because he has a podcast. But it okay. just... I lived through the Goonies. Yeah. And the one Asian character being named Data. Yeah. And every other character in this movie, and obviously every other character in The Goonies, they have real names, mm-hmm. not nicknames. Sorry, I know it's 
is probably nothing, but there was an element to a kid who was just caught up in a bunch of tech stuff and called himself podcast and only interacted with the world through podcasts and kind of being really annoying. Yeah. Really made me think of data from the Goonies. And then even though they didn't do the obvious racist stuff, it still felt a little bit yeah. hooked into that. Well, there's a there's a sensibility. There's a long history of um us Americans uh, not even trying to say Asian names, any other names correctly. So just kind of giving people Americanized names because, yeah. hey, your name's too hard for me to try to say. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm super glad it wasn't just a bunch of white kids, but mm -hmm. that, char that, that character felt familiar and he felt familiar to a character from an 80s movie. And that feels wrong that feels bad yeah yeah but that's probably i'm probably just being silly i don't know nothing i'm just a you know beige mixed racial person so i i i can't i can't speak to the asian american pacific islander experience mm -hmm. that's not that's not my bag it was just i'm just I'm, I'm just connecting dots that might not even need connecting yeah yeah holy bugger i've been talking for so long megan stop me okay also but do you have a recommendation yes amber <clears throat> Did you know that snakes do not have eyelids? They protect their eyes with a pair of modified scales, which are called eye caps. This I, has been Snake Facts. Learn about some snakes. I actually did know that. Um, and I'm a little sad that I didn't get to sing the Snake Facts jingle. Oh, sorry. Amber, but it's, no, it's, I mean, it's okay. I did, I did give it to you. You told me it was a mine to sing, that I had I, to sing my own jingle. I did give it to you. I said it was yours in the last podcast before the last one, so it's fine. I'd rather you no, sing no, it. No, 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 no. It, it sounded good when you did it. It it's didn't. Cool. No, it did. That's Amber, not a recommendation, though. Yeah, that's all I got. You cannot, and you will not, use snake facts. <laughs> <laughs> to avoid your responsibilities to the recommendations section, Megan. I, but I realized I hadn't done snake facts, and I didn't really have a solid recommendation, and I didn't want this podcast to go on any longer. It's please been going on for so please long. Please can we stop this podcast? <laughs> no, I want to hold you and our tiny audience hostage for just mm -hmm. a little bit longer, and I'm done. Megan, this has been a delight. Mm -hmm. I do hope we can do it again sometime. A good day to you and your snake facts. Excellent. And I'll close like I always do by saying, Amber, I always believed in leaving no stone unturned. Rock unturned. Arnold Schwarzenegger. So just to be clear, he used the word stone. Yeah. You then I meant to, personally I meant to, changed it to rock. I meant to uh, without highlighting it, but then I just read it from the thing I have. So you, you messed up the own your own my own thing, thing that, I had that you to were do. going to mess up. I'm so tired, Ember. With an Arnold so Schwarzenegger quote. Yeah. He always believes in leaving no stone rock unturned. Mm-hmm. He's going to find some scorpions then. Yeah. Probably some snakes. And he brought—he mm -hmm. doesn't have snake facts to protect him. Yeah. He'll probably Oof. go for the eyes and be like, oh, no, the eye cap. That sounds exactly like what he would do. And then get eaten by a pileated... No. Pileated? What was it? What was it? Reticulated. Reticulated. Reticulated python. It doesn't have any pileates. It's got the reticules. Yeah. It does. It's the only Why snake I want that. To say pileated. Yeah. Isn't that for birds? Aren't yeah, birds it's a woodpecker. Pileated? Yeah. Woodpecker. yeah. Oh, I saw one of those today. Maybe that's what that was in it. That's, that's what I was in my head. Mm.
Aren't you, aren't you, hey, hey, listen, aren't you glad that you stuck through to the end? Bye, Amber. Bye, Megan. <laughs>